And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is a premiere podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Listen, we got something special for you. I got a, a quick little interview with Judah Miller, who is the co-creator. <laughs> the co-creator of the show, uh, Bumpkiss, over there on uh, the Peacock platform. I don't think that's what they call it, but I think that's what I should call it now, the Peacock platform. Uh, Judah is a very funny guy. I enjoyed my uh, interview with him. He is uh, 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 somebody that I've known. I've seen his name on, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, American Dad. He's done Crashing. He's one of the storied comedy producers that everybody uh, should know. Yeah, I, you, like, I, I mean, if you watch a lot of TV, you should definitely know him by name and everything. Uh, but uh, if you're listening to the audio version of this, then you will see, you will listen to the interview coming up next after this. And if you're listening to, if you're watching the video version, then uh, you just got this free intro because I'm not editing anything. Uh, Judah Miller, showrunner, executive producer, writer. Uh, where else have you seen him besides uh, Crashing and um, uh, Bupkis? Let's see. I'm going to go to his IMDb page because I'm good because I, I should have I had it up earlier, but I didn't. And whose fault is that? He's a producer on King of Staten Island, uh, American Dad, like I said, crashing as well. Uh, uh, King of the Hill, he's done Stacked. You remember that show, Stacked, starring? Um, uh, I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna look. Tommy Lee. Uh, Tommy Lee. Pam Anderson. Oof! I watched that show. I watched that show because uh, obviously, for two reasons. <laughs> Uh, for Christopher Lloyd and and, uh, <laughs> and Elon Gold <laughs> and Paget Brewster. There's three reasons. Judah Miller is a very funny guy, very thoughtful, and we had a very lovely chat. And I was I'm very appreciative that he sat down with me uh, to talk. That's where I thrive. You know, I can talk to comedians and everything, but the, it's the people behind the camera, behind the page. Check out Bob Kiss on Peacock. It's a very funny show. I finished it this Friday. I did have screeners. And I only watched one episode on the screeners, and uh, I said, "Let me. I'm paying for Peacock. Let me get. Let me help them out a little bit with the views." So I watched it all over the course of a week, and it's a very funny, very surreal show. I can't like we can we can see we can see all these shows starring you know comedians. Uh, that are that are so serious that always that follow what they did and, and everything. But when when they decide to to break out, when there's a show like Bupkiss and it decides to just break the norm of storytelling, I just I appreciate it way more than uh, than any other show that could do it. And that's I mean that's no offense. Like like with Seinfeld, Seinfeld's a very a very funny uh, kind of autobiographical style type show. I'm not saying it is autobiographical. I don't know if Jerry slept with a thousand beautiful women. <laughs> Or George, uh, Larry David slept with a thousand beautiful women. But the part, the point where they're, the part where they're making the TV show, and in what season like four or something like that, when they were trying to do Seinfeld for NBC. Anyway, Bob Kiss, Pete Davidson, Edie Falco, Joe Pesci, great show. Check it out. Okay, so I'm gonna go to break, and then we're gonna come back. Okay, here we are. Going to break. Hey, we're back. We're welcome back to the show. 
It's been seven days. <laughs> and we are back, baby. Episode 262. Uh, I meant to do this on Friday, but I was busy writing something else. Uh, I just got an email that is upsetting. It's a show that's ending, and it's unfortunate it's ending, but you know what? I think it has to, because I think there are two people who are dead from the show. And it's been funny. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it, because have, I have other things to talk about. We have, uh, oh, hold on. Oh, my God, another thing that just came in. Oh, boy. Another thing that's gonna, that came in. Probably I'll talk about it on the next episode. This this other thing I won't talk about. The first thing I won't talk about. Okay, let's let me get to the let me get to the things. What's been going on with me? I haven't been seeing a lot of movies, and that's it. I've been having watch movies at home. When Fast Ten comes out, oh boy, you better believe I'm seeing that. There's a new Legend of Zelda out, Tears of the Kingdom. I don't have it. One day I will buy it. Um, it is seventy dollars. No Switch game should be seventy dollars. No video game should be $70. It's ridiculous. I don't, I don't, I just don't understand. You know, Ratchet and Clank on a Rift, Rift Apart on a PS5 for so long was $70. Like you could never find it on sale. If it was on sale, it'd be $50. And I'm not somebody who puts worth in the video game of how much I'm going to play it, but I, I'm not going to spend $70 on a game. Otherwise, that game better keep me entertained for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours. Because if we're doing that, if if it's if it's something that I'm going to play again and again, or if it's something that's just like ongoing, then it better give me that type of value. Persona 5 Royal. Oh, my God. That's got to be one of my favorite games of all time. And I haven't liked JRPGs that much. But, man, that game has given me so much. And the, and the, the I, I can't explain... Too much of the game, because it's convoluted. But you play a student who gets in trouble. He doesn't get in trouble. Well, you'll see. Yeah, you play a student who gets in trouble, and he's shipped off to live with a family friend in uh, a different area of uh, Japan. You go to school during the day. You fight monsters and demons and, and crawl through dungeons at night. You you make all these friends. They tell this all-encompassing story. I'm 130 hours in. I'm still not done yet. I got I have a couple of girlfriends on the show on the game show. <laughs> a couple of girlfriends. Uh one's name is Makoto. She's great. She where she's about to graduate high school, so she's older than me. Older one. And I have another one who's in my grade, and her name is Hifumi, I believe. And she um is uh a, a master let's like let, I don't know the game, I forgot what it's called, but it's like chess. Let's let's, let's pretend she's a master chess player. And I stumbled upon that one by accident. She and I, <laughs> we, I had gotten the bond so strong. And at one point she was like, I, I really rely on you. And then I said, I rely on you too. She's like, you want to be my boyfriend? I went, oh no. <laughs> so when I get to Valentine's Day, uh, apparently if you're dating more than one person, then they all confront you and you get in trouble. So I'm now I'm just, now I'm just trying to collect. <laughs> I'm just trying to collect <laughs> Different dates. <laughs> uh, let's get on with the stories. 
All, but the, the main crux of the game is like you're fighting demons and you're going to school. <laughs> Dating is like a secondary thing. But man, oh man, when I have free time, me and Makoto. <laughs> this comes from Deadline. Peter White. Conan O'Brien gets into Fast, into the Fast game with Samsung. Uh, fast, the uh, free advertising streaming television <laughs> networks. That's what Fast is. It's it's uh, Pluto. It's Roku. It's it's the stuff that is free that that you have act that everybody's a uh, Tubi that everybody has access to. Um, uh, that that people watch now, kind of in place of cable. If if there are people you don't have cable and you just want to keep the TV on and have things streaming. Uh, then having Pluto TV on is the perfect thing. And uh, Samsung has one, has like Samsung, I think it's called Samsung Free. Uh, Samsung Free TV or something like that. LG has one. I don't use any of those. I'd rather use something that I know. Like Pluto. I know Pluto. I know Tubi in some in some aspects. I know uh, Roku. I just don't want to, like all these other ones that are all over the place. They all, they, more or less, they all mostly have the same channels. So Conan's going to launch his own on Samsung TV Plus, which is an app that uh, is on your Samsung TVs, but also if you have a Samsung phone like uh, like this bad boy, the S23 uh, uh, Ultra, <laughs> then uh, you you uh, you get uh, uh, you get it. It's already installed on your phone. It's going to include classic content from his years of hosting late night nightly uh, talk shows all the interviews that you know Justin Bieber Tom Hanks Gal Gadot bits from Triumph the con uh, the insult dog Jordan Slansky Sona Andy Clueless Gamer it's anything you can find on YouTube more or less this is a good expansion like this is something that as as much as uh the with the glut of 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 this these type of tv things that we have uh, I do, I do appreciate that there is a, a variety, and as much as I hate watching um, uh, uh, trailer, uh, not trailers. Sorry, I just, I just opened up something that I'm saving for later. I just, it's a trailer for Justified City Primeval. Uh, <laughs> but as much as I hate uh, seeing those things, um, and and seeing how many, like, not everything needs a channel. You know, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the cartoon, the animated series doesn't need a channel on Pluto, but it has one. I like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And there's a channel for it on Pluto. So, there you go. But not everybody needs one. Okay. But, continuing off that, this comes from The Wrap, written by Jose Alejandro Bastidas. NBC Universal and Amazon partner to add local news stations to fast services. Now, with so with the, with the addition of... Of streaming television, streaming uh, networks such as Paramount Plus and Tubi and Netflix, and people getting rid of cable, uh, there is there has been this kind of emphasis on local stream on local excuse me local channels. Uh, how else are you going to watch, you know, the Kentucky Derby? How are you going to watch uh, the a golf match on CBS? Kentucky Derby on C- uh, NBC, the golf match on CBS. How are you going to watch ESPN on ABC? On ABC, the Oscars, the Tonys, the Globes, all that stuff. People want to watch that stuff, even even if they 
even if they don't have even if they have, don't don't have like the interest in watching the Oscars or the Super Bowl, they they want the option. They don't have like they don't have interest in watching it. They want the option to do it. And you see that when uh NB, when uh excuse me, when CBS All Access, now Paramount Plus, but CBS All Access introduced the CBS, the ability to stream live stream local CBS to the app. And that was I remember that being a, just a big step for them and uh, and that driving people to drop cable because, hey, now I can now I'm able to watch this. And, yeah, you can grab bunny ears. You can grab an antenna. I look over here because I know I have one over here uh, that does not work on my TV, unfortunately. Um, but you can grab an antenna and put it up in your window and, and get and get those channels in. You can, or you can also pay for Hulu with live TV or Sling TV or YouTube TV and get your local channels that way. Or you can have now this new option of, uh, of, of streaming it thanks to Peacock, thanks to Paramount Plus. Because now on Peacock, you can also get, if you pay for the ad-free version, you get your local NBC station. Uh, thanks to Peacock and, 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 uh, and Paramount Plus. Uh, and f- I think Fox Nation might also do it for your local uh, Fox affiliate. I'm not entirely sure, and I don't believe ABC has an option yet, as of yet. I would imagine they would kind of possibly do that for Hulu because uh, the Disney did indicate that they are interested in keeping Hulu uh, this past week. They didn't say it, but during an earnings call, they very much so uh, hinted that they were going to purchase Comcast's, uh, whatchamacallit. So NBC Universal and Amazon are teaming up to expand the reach of NBC and Telemundo local news stations and streaming the companies announced on Friday. The deal is going to give U.S.-based Amazon customers access to local breaking news coverage and original content from NBCU's local stations. So that means I used to work at the NBC affiliate here, uh, WXIA. So that means... Um, the, the, the news specials you'll see like on a Wednesday night at like 7 p.m. or something, um, or 6 p.m. or whatever, uh, uh, you know, like the, uh, let's see, what's one I worked on when I worked there, the first one that I worked on was, uh, the Olympics were coming up again and they, and, and then they were going to, in Atlanta and they were going to in Atlanta, was it Atlanta? No, excuse me. I'm sorry. They were celebrating the, um, the uh, the anniversary of the the Olympics that were in Atlanta in the early two thousands late nineties, uh, and they were you know they were talking about that and um, and we interviewed uh, the the mayor from the time Billy, and uh, I was sent out with the anchor an anchor not a reporter I was sent out with an anchor and a camera person and we and we were just the three of us no big deal. Uh, yeah, this is my first big move, <laughs> and we did that. There's also one that was talking about uh, racism and hate speech online, and I was a, I was actually in that one. And then there was another one uh, for the Atlanta AJC Peachtree Road Race. I've I've done I've done I've done stuff. No big deal. Uh, again, they only paid me ten dollars an hour. Oh, well, that's a different podcast. Uh, that's the LinkedIn logs I was talking about. Anyway. I was only paid ten dollars an hour, and interns uh, made more money than me. And uh, I uh, tried to argue that I should get more money, and uh, I was told I had to wait six months. That's the short version of the story. Anyway, so this new fast free ad-supported streaming TV uh, channels will present uh, all-day coverage from NBC and Telemundo stations from its top TV regions. I believe Tubi has. Um, let me let me triple check. 
I, before I say anything stupid. But if if I'm correct, I believe they do have live streaming for news networks. But also, I could have just gone to Tubi.com, but it's easier just to open up the app. But also, they have, uh, oh my God, I was on this show. Oh my word. Oh, this is the British version. This is a dating show that I was on. And uh, interesting. That I didn't know that uh, it was streaming. <laughs> interesting. That is good to know. Um, but you can look at, I can tap around and look at ABC News Live, which has live coverage of whatever ABC News they have they have like a kind of 24/7 thing and uh and then NBC Morning News now and live now from Fox uh and and today all day like you can watch all this stuff and it is while it is current it's not going to be the thing that's airing you know if 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 ABC News Live is doing something it's not going to be the same thing that's airing on you know the 12 o'clock noon show on uh, your ABC affiliate so it's a great, this is a great move. Uh, so far, they've got uh, New York, L.A., Philly, Chicago, Dallas, Boston, Bay Area, uh, San Diego, Connecticut, D.C., South Florida. So they've got like all all of the the main places you kind of want to hit. Uh, the local stations addition into Amazon products uh, continues NBCU's expansion into the fast space. The channels are already available on Peacock, Samsung TV Plus, Roku Channel, and Zumu Play. I don't know. I don't know anyone who has Zumu Play, which is X U M O Play. Uh, Fire TV also includes a Peacock app for uh, for free, alongside the fast channels for Today All Day and Twenty Four Seven, uh, Dateline Twenty Four Seven. All right, so there you go. There's that. Moving on, uh, Disney. This is what I was talking about earlier. Disney had an earnings call last week. This comes from Dan Gallagher at the Wall Street Journal. Disney makes tough but necessary choices on streaming. So uh, this will kind of touch on to what we're doing with the um, what what they're doing rather with writers are doing with a strike right now. Uh, the fis- Disney's fiscal second quarter results Wednesday afternoon were announced contained a couple of surprises for the company's streaming business. The segment generated an operating loss of six hundred and fifty nine million dollars, nearly two hundred million dollars less than Wall Street had expected and way better than the $1 billion torched by that unit three months prior. Now, all of these streaming platforms, whether it's music, whether it's movies, whether it's TV shows, whatever, they're all going to lose money. And the the point of it is you have to lose less money than, than, you know, your, than, than what was happening last time. So if you're losing a billion dollars, you want to get it down to, you know, 500 million. And then you want to get it down to uh, 200 million. And eventually you want to be like, uh, Spotify and hopefully come out in the green later on. But it took Spotify a lot of things and such as gaining subscribers and being the the number one most recognized music streaming service out there. Uh, the flagship Disney Plus service also lost four million dollars in uh, four million paid subscribers rather during the quarter. It's big. I'm sure that they look at subscribers as dollars. <laughs> We like if I if I if I uh, if I leave Disney Plus, we lost seven dollars on that guy. His biggest drop ever, and a shock to analysts who expected the service to add one point seven million subscribers. Uh, Disney shares fell more than four percent at the report. Now it's we again we're, people's we're, we're we might be going into a recession. People's belts are tightening, and Disney Plus just has nothing to offer. And so as a result of this uh, of these losses of subscribers. Uh, Iger did say, Bob Iger, who just returned to the throne of Disney, 
did say that they will be looking to cut content uh, when it when it comes down to it. So we're going to be seeing less shows, less movies, uh, and 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 less. And let's be clear, that doesn't mean like if you know, they're going to start you know pulling things off and they're going to pull a, a Warner Brothers Discovery and and and, and have. Uh, uh, a movie already made and then just not air it there. I don't, I don't think anyone else is going to do that from this point forward, but uh, which is uh, again, never say never. Cause we didn't know it was going to happen that first time. But if they're making a hundred projects this year uh, and some of them haven't even hit, you know, the green light, then I, then we'll probably see a hundred, a hundred projects turn into 80 projects. You know, if they can, if they can just uh, nickel and dime every everywhere, they can. So there's other changes coming. We're probably going to see more layoffs, uh, especially if their subscriber count doesn't grow. And also, just this past weekend, there the um, Guardians of the Galaxy three saw a big dip, just like Ant Man and Wasp, uh, when it came to second weekend earnings. The company has also a unique challenge of relying on expensive to make programs for popular franchises like Marvel and Star Wars to feed its viewership base. Marvel alone accounted for eight exclusive series totaling 57 episodes launched on Disney Plus over the last two years. So again, we're gonna we're gonna pull back on that a little bit. There's gonna be a price increase for the uh, uh, ad free tier. So we're, I, I assume we're gonna go from what is it seven or eight dollars up to ten at this point. And then, and then we're uh, later on this year we're gonna see Hulu, Hulu stuff shows like up there, um, Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> we're gonna see we're gonna see shows <laughs> start popping up on Disney Plus. And that's not to say that Hulu is going out of the way, but I do I, I do assume that with Disney uh, pulling in Hulu, I I I have a feeling that within the next three years or so, three years, I say three years, that we will see uh, Hulu go by the wayside. I just have that feeling. I just, I think they should still keep, I, I mean, just keep Disney Plus and uh, uh, Hulu separate. And to some extent, ESPN Plus. Uh, I, I just, you know, because Disney Plus offers things it's the family it's the family thing it's the the family one that adds that has the 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 family stuff like i just i watched two episodes of disney's doug yesterday which is not superior to uh, nickelodeon doug the paramount's doug um but you know it's i i i think i think hulu i'd rather go to hulu to watch you know um uh, uh hit monkey which you know they can curse and everything in and then and then and then come to um Disney Plus to watch. I don't know. Uh, uh, the Mandalorian. That's a show I like. I like a Mandalorian. I don't like Star Wars that much, but I like a Mandalorian. So they have to make streaming profitable, which is hard. And there's got to, but there's got to be some type of uh, movement when it comes to the 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 prices that they're doing. And at some point, what if they get up to the prices that HBO Max, uh, Max's new offering is going to be in two weeks, or Netflix is twenty dollars? I think Max is going to be twenty dollars as well. Okay, let's move on to the next one. 
well, it has happened. <laughs> this is this happened overnight, but the story was Vice was said to be heading for bankruptcy, and now they are fully bankrupt. Digital media, it's hard. We we saw BuzzFeed News uh, close down shop, and MTV News has uh, gone by the wayside, uh, which, yeah, we'll, we'll mix these two stories. Uh, MTV News is gone. This comes from uh, uh, New York Times, written by Remy Tuman. How MTV broke news for a generation. MTV News uh, bridged a gap between news and pop culture without talking down to its audience as it prepares to shut down Kurt Loder, Tabitha Sorin, uh, Sway Calloway, and others reflect on its legacy. And this is a great piece uh, that Ms. Tuman wrote. And it just, it doesn't capture everything, but it does have a great oral history of what MTV News meant to, you know, quite frankly, a young adult generation that that didn't have... Uh, the 24-hour news cycle that there is now, like where you can mix watching music videos and then also in an hour after you know watching TRL or what have you, see see the the news things happen. They mentioned the suicide of Kurt Cobain uh, when Courtney Love interrupted Madonna. The you know people at award shows. I mean that was just. It was it was so it was very raw and it felt uh, sorry I almost ended the recording and it felt very um, uh, 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 passionate at what they were doing even if it was messy and Vice was pretty much the new generation version of that and and now this this bankruptcy doesn't and also I'm sorry this this uh, bankruptcy article comes from the New York Times written by Lauren Hirsch and Benjamin Mullen Vice is said to be headed for bankruptcy and again they filed this morning I woke up saw the emails four o'clock they did file for bankruptcy but this bankruptcy doesn't mean necessarily mean that they're heading towards failure I mean they're still going to operate for the time being and they 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 still have the option to find uh, cash from an investor or something. But this is just going to take care of some loose ends in the immediate. Now, as for MTV news, um, this is just kind of that, like we've seen, I didn't, I, I wasn't even sure if MTV news was still around in any type of incarnation that was uh, palpable to continue working through. But we are now at a point where we're, we're losing kind of the old media along with this digital media that, you know, we thought was going to be the next source of how people get their news. But now we're seeing things like the New York Times, even if they don't have the subscriber numbers or if it's slow growth or if they're losing just a little bit of money, we're still seeing things like the New York Times and NPR uh, strive, stride and, and work and and be things that people get their news from or or even reference. So like how many times have I read something on Vox? Dot com that linked back to uh, the New York Times, which had the more information and was written better. <laughs> how, how many times uh, uh, does, does something from CNBC link back to Wall Street Journal? As much as archaic as old media is, there is there's still something to it that you know people like me trust. Okay, we talked about those two. <laughs> Now we can talk about what the uh, the Riders Guild are striding uh, are fighting for. 
This comes from Hollywood Reporter, written by Boris Kitt and Leslie Goldberg. Viewership, transparency, AI, among issues, dividing writers and Hollywood companies and contract talks. Now, when the first, when the uh, last, rather, when the last strike happened in uh, uh, twenty. Uh, 2007, 2007 and 2008, 2007, 2008. I'm sorry, I just saw an article that uh, interests me. <laughs> That's about the strike that really interests me uh, that I won't read on air, but I th- it's talking about, it says striking writers mock Wednesday star Jenny Ortega. Let's go on this journey together. Uh, stri- we'll, get, we'll get back to the, to the main crux of what I'm talking about. Oh, she said some controversial comments. She said, she's 20 years old. She, for, she should not be saying anything, first of all, but she's 20 years old. Don't, don't get mad at her. Uh, let's see what she said. Ortega previously made headlines for saying she helped improve writing on her show. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, Ortega's comments sent from a March episode of Armchair Expert where she said, there were times on that set where I almost became unprofessional in a sense, where I just started changing lines. Oh no, don't do that. The script supervisor thought I was like, going with something and then I would have to sit down with the writers and they would be like wait what happened to this scene and I would go uh, have to go through and explain why I couldn't do certain things oh shit alright again she's 20 years old or some something like that uh, the thing okay <laughs> everybody's doing a job on a set and you should never ever ever mess with anybody's job if a, if a gaffer is doing lighting let that gaffer do lighting don't tell, don't tell that person what to do if the uh, if the makeup artist is uh, putting makeup on on an actor uh, and you are uh, a PA, don't go over there and, and be like, you should do this. <laughs> uh, pretty much everybody should stay in their lanes. And uh, and the and the writers that have been, uh, <laughs> yeah, the the writers that are commenting on this are very they're very right in their their anger for. Or this, or they're uh, they're snapping back at her, I guess. Whatever. Like Nick Adams, this Bojack Horseman writer said, Jenny Ortega better be back from New York for her afternoon shift on the pickup line. Yeah, because she should be down there picketing with with them. Anyway, don't do that. Don't don't change lines like that. Uh, okay. For streaming projects, the WGA asked for viewership-based residuals in addition to existing fixed residuals. We see shows, we see Netflix, Netflix, Hulu, they never talk about numbers, but we do see them when a show goes bonanzas. They go, hey, 70 million people watched the first three episodes of Stranger Things. And and uh, and there, you know, there's a total of 6,247 minutes of... Uh, um, the diplomat being <laughs> one show I can think of <laughs> the diplomat, uh, uh, you know, being watched on Netflix every two hours. And it just, it's, it's, that's, that's a very big problem because residuals used to be a great way to make a sh- to make money on a show. You go back, you go like, like, like if you look at cheers or taxi or whatever, those shows, uh, yes, obviously at a different time we're getting and friends, even, you know, those shows were getting, 10, 20 million viewers, you know, uh, for every episode every single week because it was appointment viewing. You were coming down and you were you were coming downstairs uh, and watching it like the Brady Bunch. You were sitting there together watching it. Uh, and then as time has gone on and people have dropped cable and everything, uh, it is and, and just and just regular TV in general. It's been hard to get these numbers, and for and 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 one reason why these numbers aren't being 
uh, mentioned a lot is for advertisers, and then and then they have to and they have to monetize them. So for in the advertisers' case, uh, if if Netflix has a show that they were uh, going to advertise on uh, across broadcast and cable and online and on and uh, and on billboards and stuff like that, if they if this show doesn't isn't as hot as it should be, the and and the numbers are out there, then that's going to tell advertisers that there's no confidence they should have no confidence in Netflix. But if they're able to say, you know, 77 minutes are watched every second, then that looks like a big number, big enough number for an advertiser to want to continue uh, working with Netflix in some, in, some, in some respect, whether they advertise on the platform or they're advertising elsewhere. Uh, and then, I forgot what the second thing was I was going to mention. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, the numbers have to, have to work in their favor. You know, if you're not going to, if they, if they say, you know, uh, 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 boss baby back in the crib, you know, isn't getting the viewers that they need, then that's going to say, then they're basically telling you, you don't need to watch that show. So it's a, but it's important that back to residuals, it's important that, you know, we go back to it like in cheers, 20 million people watch an episode and you're, and this is your only job. Now you have to have like four or five jobs as a writer and, or, or a producer in order to have, you know, to make money. Cause you're not making a lot of money as you were back in the early nineties, late eighties, making money residuals on a show. You could sit back, cash those checks. And then also and residuals are the reruns. Uh, uh, and, and things of that nature, and and so you can sit back, cash those checks, and when the season is in its off season, and not have to worry about uh, not making rent or something along those lines. But now residuals, you know, you're gonna sometimes you're getting paid a flat fee for a streaming show, uh, or sometimes they're just not they're just not even sharing the uh, the the load the load. Excuse me, they're not sharing the um, what's the word I'm looking for, the money. The loot. Give me the loot. It's a great song. And then the other thing is the AI thing. The concerns about AI taking over writing are also alleged to have been glossed over by the studios. Like truly just glossed over. The WGA wanted to regulate the use of AI and wanted assurance that it could not be used to write or rewrite literary material, nor could it be used as source material. The AMPTP rejected the builds. Uh, the guild's proposals, which is the studios, uh, and countering by offering annual meetings to discuss advancements in technology. But that doesn't mean that they're going to mitigate or even or to stop or even mitigate rather the uh, the use of AI technology. I mean, this again, this is this is AI could come for anyone's job, and and if it and if it's if it comes for the writer's job, then the next thing is you know we're all there already there are already companies developing. Uh, uh, video AI where you can just scan some, you know, uh, I just saw this on the Wall Street Journal where you can, uh, 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 Joanna Stern had a video on the on the journal talking about, um, she went to this AI startup and they, they had technology where she could just say like four or five sentences on camera in a green screen and then uh, they train her voice model and then you know, the, the AI can make a version of her face and, and just make this model where they can make her say anything as long as she types it into uh, the, the program. 
And so if if the WGA, excuse me, if a if the studios, uh, let's say they have their way, if the which God forbid, but if the studios are able to to get away with AI stuff for writers, and they won't be, they don't have to have to hire a writer uh, or writers for a TV show or a movie, then they'll be coming for the actors next. And then they'll be coming for the directors and producers and the gaffers and the PAs and everybody. And pretty soon they could just, you know, make the Lion, like that Lion King movie. They could just go to a warehouse, tip-tap type away, press three buttons, and then they'll make a movie or a TV show. And, and then a lot of people will be out of jobs. So that's what they're fighting for. They want to get rid of many rooms. Excuse me. They want to preserve writers' rooms with the proposal for a minimum of six writers per room and that number growing as the episode order does with one additional staffer added every two episodes with a max of 12 per room. They want to get rid... Yeah, so the the mini rooms that feature a handful of writers breaking stories before a formal series, which is not always a guarantee, which means that they don't have to get... They can get paid the minimum. And that's the thing. Also, the guild minimum, like they can... You know, they have the, there's these choices of, of uh, range, ranges, not choices, ranges of how much that a studio has to pay a union member. And, uh, and quite often they not even like, even if it's, even if you have seniority or whatever, they'll, they'll be making, uh, they'll be paying people, uh, less than what they, they should. Uh, heading into negotiations, many writers and late agents were concerned with SPAN, which is the time it takes to make a scripted series. SPAN protections would ensure that writers are fairly compensated for programming that may take years to complete, a trend that has been increasingly common in the peak TV era of lavish premium content. They want a minimum staff of uh, guaranteed 10 consecutive weeks of work and that writers be allowed to at least three weeks per episode with half of the minimum staff employed through production and one writer employed through post-production. All of these offers that the WGA are throwing up are being rejected. And while that comes with the strike territory, there are, these are very reasonable things that people want. Cause that like it, it is, it is, it is just crazy to, for, you know, people like David Zaslov and, 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 and Bob Iger, as much as I like that guy, and Bob Backish and, and the rest of these uh, CEOs that are making half a billion dollars a year. And it's not that much. It's like 250, 300 million. But still, but a quarter billion dollars a year, I guess I could have said. It's crazy for them to be making that much and then not want to be able to or not even like fight for the people who make the shows. Cause again, it starts with the writers, but it's going to go way up the chain. And pretty soon you'll be watching AI generated stranger things too. Nobody want to watch that. Nobody want to watch that. There are some, there's a little bit of progress. Tentative agreements include staff writers earning script fees in addition to their weekly salaries, an increase in span uh, cap from uh, 400000 to 450000 and extending those protections to writers on limited series. 
The Guild also offered one free, quote-unquote, promotional airing for broadcast series. I don't know what that means. There, again, this is not going to end for a while, and you should be on the side of the writers if you even have any question about this. Because there's way more things that they're fighting for that are way more important. Okay, and the final thing. Oh, no, this is continuing on with the strike. <laughs> A villain for the strike has been found. And right now, this is Netflix. This comes from New York Times, written by John Coblin and Nicole Sperling. Netflix is, uh, again, one of the biggest purveyors of media right now in the world. Uh, and it's and it's uh, guy, head guy in charge, CEO, Ted Sarandos has been saying things like, hey, we, we have enough you know, content, movies and TV shows for the rest of the year, so we're, we're good. Doesn't matter what happens. Uh, they're willing to cancel shows left and right. And uh, now, the writers, who are represented by affiliate branches of the uh, Rising of America, has said that streaming era has eroded their this streaming era has eroded their working conditions and stagnated their wages despite the explosion of television production in recent years, much of which uh for much of which Netflix has been responsible. At a summit in Los Angeles, Ellen Stutzman, the chief negotiator of the WGA, and David Goodman, a chair of the Writers Negotiating Committee, answered uh, a call in unison. Who the person the the company that they're all fighting against is Netflix, not fighting against, but that's that's one of the the big things they're fighting. The crowd of uh, eighteen hundred writers laughed and then applauded, according to a person present at the event. There was an event, uh, the summit. Before Netflix was cheered by the creative community for creating so many shows and providing so many opportunities, but it's kind of like you know, a gig. If you've ever done gig work, you've been on an app that has gig work, you're you're getting the, the small fry stuff. And it seems like, yeah, I'm busy, I'm, I'm making money, but you're not really doing that. In Los Angeles, Netflix's Sunset Boulevard headquarters has become a focal point for striking writers. The band Imagine Dragons staged an impromptu concert before hundreds of demonstrators on Tuesday. Oh, okay. That's cool. One writer pleaded on social media this week that more picketers were needed outside the Universal lot, lamenting that, quote, everyone wants to have a party at Netflix instead, which, yeah, that that does seem like what it is. People, uh, demonstrators were forced, uh, were out in force uh, in front of the headquarters for last week. While they marched, the veteran television writer Peter Hume affixed flyers to picket signs, which is great to see. People are working uh, to, to get the strike moving and fast. Netflix canceled an in-person event showcase for its marketers because of reasons. The company has been scheduled, uh, had been scheduled to join the lineup of so-called upfronts, uh, which is the television upfronts, which is where you tell advertisers, hey, this is what we have coming. Please advertise with us. 
And Netflix really needs that this year because of their uh, new ad-supported version of Netflix. Ted Sarandos is the villain. Netflix is the villain. They're making money. Listen, if you like what you heard here, head to the website, cpluscomedy.com, where you can uh, see me talk to famous people. Sometimes. Sometimes. Not all the time. If you want to see a video version of the show, head to youtube.com slash cpluscomedy, where you can also see video versions of the podcasts that you can also subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Late Night Lately, the Late Late Night Show show, which is on hiatus because of this aforementioned strike. I uh, There's no late night to do, to watch, and there's no podcast to do. I'm really striking for solidarity with my brothers and sisters. Uh, what else, what else, what else? And then there's uh, LinkedIn Logs, which is the business podcast. I try to do OnlyFans or some... BS. I don't know. I've lost interest in, in that in that B story. <laughs> but the A story for LinkedIn Logs, which is me telling story, telling job stories and everything. That's that's it. That's the good one. Uh, yeah, check it out. LinkedIn Logs, wherever you get your podcast, video versions, youtube.com slash people's comedy. You can also watch News Time, which is our premiere show, and you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Seaples Comedy, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, and TikTok. That's people's comedy. And then me on those platforms at Chad Black White. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. And we're going to end this show right now. Goodbye.